Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hi, y'all. This is Sasha here for two quick announcements before we get on to our interview for today. First of all, if you are looking for quality supplements, quality tonic herbs, some specialty food items, and you're in and around Calgary, then please go check out Lotus Herbal Health, a great family-run store that has two locations in Calgary. You can find them at lotusherbalhealth.ca to find out where their locations are, or you can shop online and they will pretty much deliver anywhere. So quality supplements, tonic herbs, great staff, check out lotusherbalhealth.ca. Secondly, I want to announce the relaunch of my program called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, which consists of experts in their fields around the world on consciousness and parenting and education and nutrition and dentistry and homeopathy and more. This is a program I created after my son was born about 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. And I am now very concerned after the events of 2020 for our future generations. And I believe the time is now for conscious parenting and for conscious parents to rise up and take, to take back our pregnancies and our births and our parenting and the resilience of our children and of future generations. The time is now. We change the course of history by changing the course of our future generations. And we do that by consciously raising them, consciously birthing them, consciously conceiving them, feeding them good food, and taking back the responsibility of raising healthy, well-adjusted, robust people. Resilience. It's time to build resilience. So please go check out sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide, and you will be able to check out all of the amazing material in there. It's time for us to understand how our worldviews are formed, how our self-views are formed, and how to impact that and how that impacts the society on a whole. So check it out, sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide. And now on to the show. Hey guys, Sasha here, your host for the Sovereign Collective podcast. And today we're going to go over a very important topic, very relevant to today and to our health, to both our healthy minds and our bodies. I am joined today by Mitch Marchand of EMF Aware. He's right here in Calgary and he's providing the very vital service of ensuring that your home is healthy for you and for your family. He is, he's an electrical engineer and he's an EMF, home EMF consultant, and he's a certified building biology electromagnetic radiation specialist. That is a mouthful. And his services are very uh, relevant to today's world where we are constantly bombarded by not only our phones and our computers and whatever's lurking behind the walls, but our appliances. You know, our appliances now are all hooked up. Like everything, we're living in this fog of non-native radiation. And the thing is, it's really 
for some people, they don't even consider it because they can't see it, right? And then they wonder why they don't feel so well. So we're going to go into some tips and some realities and whatever else Mitch is going to share with us today. So thank you, Mitch, for joining me today. I super appreciate your time. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so surprising how, you know, electricity used to be just used for light bulbs, right? And right. now it's used for, you know, it helps us what we're doing right now, talking um, over the internet, um, you know, it, it helps your phone, it charges your phone, it, it just has so many implications. And it's just kind of slowly kind of crept into our lives. And, and it's just, we're just increasingly reliant on, uh, on these things called electromagnetic fields and, and electricity. So, so yeah, so, you know, the, First, we usually start with, you know, what is this stuff you're talking about? Before we could do yeah. that, though, I really like your story about why you started doing what you did, what you're doing. So that's that's an important yeah. one because a lot of people wouldn't even realize that. You came by this very honestly. So can you share that first before we get into what the EMFs are? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So my background is electrical engineering. So I programmed the computers that controlled power plants primarily for nine years before switching gears, starting a naturopathic clinic with my wife and diving into this EMF world. So when my wife moved in with me in a small 600 square foot condo in downtown Calgary, um, she was just becoming chronically sick and she's quite a healthy person. And she just felt like she was getting jolted out of her sleep. Um, she was just getting these chronic infections. She was running the hormone panels, the blood tests, everything she had access to and nothing was really popping. And then she remembered back to some of the environmental medicine training that, that she had. And she said, yeah, there's these things called EMFs that can be a, an environmental factor for people. So she bought an EMF meter, thought it was a new clinic that she was moved into, but um, that all checked out fine. But when she brought home this meter, it just went off the charts in our small condo. And uh, we sat down and talked about it that night. And two weeks later, we moved, sold the place and moved into a new place. And just all our symptoms just went away. So as an electrical engineer, I was like, you know, this is, this is pretty interesting, this, this interaction with, with the human body. I understand how transformers work, you know, and, and electricity, but there's this interaction that also occurs with, with humans, right? Humans are conductive, they conduct electricity, um, and then there's just in, this interaction. So the deeper I looked into it, you know, the more and more I found, uh, the more and more this started to make sense from uh, from an engineering aspect, and then when you add in the biology aspect of it, it's it's just this interesting um, interaction. So uh, so yeah, that was that was ten years ago. So since then, you know, we've helped hundreds of of clients reduce their EMFs and get healthier as a result. So um, yeah, that that's kind of how I fell on it. And um, you know, my primary clients are are people from either naturopathic doctors or functional medicine doctors um, who just aren't seeing the health gains that they want in their clients. So when we kind of remove the EMFs as a factor, sometimes just traditional treatments start working better that weren't working before, where people just end up, uh, you know, one of the main benefits is just sleeping better, right? Which is just a foundation for, for health. If you're not sleeping very well, um, it's going to be a struggle to, uh, to improve your health. So that's kind of how we, I kind of stumbled on it. Um, uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing this when I started my, my engineering career, um, but uh, I couldn't be happier because it's just such a fulfilling job going into people's homes, figuring out how to, how to get the family healthy and uh, just seeing the results as they come by. Yeah. So do you get a lot of feedback in terms of improved health 
and mental, emotional, physical health from your clients? Yeah, yeah. It 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 it, it ranges like from everything from you know sometimes when we remove the baby monitors from from uh, from uh, from a nursery, you know the parents will call me back the next day and said, yeah, my you know, my son or daughter just slept through the night for the first time ever, like, wow. you know, just weird things. I've had clients where they literally have, they have quite complex cases, right? So they're one particular client would go up, go pee 16 times a night. And um, the night that she turned off the breakers to her bedroom, um, she got up twice. Um, and this was happening for years and years. And sleep is a very common thing that people notice. Um, right away. I've had clients who I write out their recommendations, they don't implement them to six months later, and then they turn off the breakers to the bedroom, de-energizes the room, and they start sleeping very soundly as a result. So they'll get, I'll get a call sometimes six months later saying, I've never really got around to your recommendations. Now <laughs> I did, and wow, you know, it, it made such a difference. Um, yeah, so so many, so many it touches so many different aspects of, of, of people's lives. It can be kids even with autism, um, we, we see quite significant changes in, in a lot of them when we reduce the EMFs um, and uh, neurological conditions. Um, it's not the root cause of neurological conditions, but it seems the, the conditions or the symptoms associated with neurological conditions get exacerbated by being in an EMF environment. And when we reduce those, their symptoms just kind of um, calm down, essentially. Right, right. So, yeah. okay. so let's talk about what Let's go to the basics first, because I think a lot of people are very aware, but a lot of people still aren't aware or they don't believe it because they can't see it. And I think you helped attach that visual when you can actually go in and show them. But let's talk about the basics of EMS. What do they mean? Where are they found? How do they affect us? Whatever your spiel is on that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, I think everyone understands um, kind of sound, right? So sound has different pitches, right? There's high pitch sounds, low pitch sounds. And electromagnetic fields have, have, uh, have these different frequencies as well. There's lower frequencies and there's higher frequencies. And we call the whole spectrum or the whole series of, of frequencies the electromagnetic field spectrum. So on one far end of it is how you know compasses work, for example. That's the static magnetic field of the Earth. And it's a natural form of uh, EMF. And um, that has a frequency of zero. It's zero hertz, so it doesn't vibrate at all, but it has an influence um, on a compass needle, for example. Um, as we start going up in frequency, when we get to 60 hertz, that's the fundamental frequency of electricity, how electricity flows in and around your home. As we start increasing that a little bit more, we get into something called uh, kilohertz or thousands of vibrations per second of, of, uh, of electromagnetic fields. And that's kind of dirty electricity type of area. So that's basically electrical noise, right? Then as we increase the frequency even more into millions of vibrations per second or megahertz or gigahertz, that's when we start getting into the cell phone, the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth, kind of the wireless technology world. And if we start increasing even further, we get into kind of millimeter wave or high band 5G. And if we increase even further, we get into the light spectrum. Right. This is infrared heat. This is the different colors of the rainbow. And at that particular point, that's when all that we talked to up to that point is called non-ionizing radiation. And then it starts to transition into ionizing radiation. So these are X-rays, gamma rays, you know, when, when you think of uh, nuclear type of reactions. Um, and those basically break um, 
you know, chemical bonds in our body almost immediately. And those are called non-ionizing. And everyone kind of agrees that those non-ionizing, those really high frequencies like X-rays, gamma rays are pretty, you know, the effects are seen quite readily. Where all the controversy is in, this, is in the non-ionizing radiation, um, you know, everything from electricity uh, to wireless tech, um, that is where the controversy is. And that's the part that people don't um, fully grasp or, or understand. And like you said, it's all invisible. It, it all, um, it, um, you know, you can't taste, see or smell these things, um, but it does have this interaction um, with the human body. But if we were to just break these down simply into kind of four main human created EMFs, those are the ones we typically look at. One of them is called electric fields and that's due to electrical pressure. So if you picture a lamp that's plugged into a wall, there's electrical pressure as soon as you plug it in to the on off switch of the lamp. That electric field or that, that electrical pressure creates an electric field and that extends six to eight feet away from a cord. And what happens is that electric field, anything that's conductive within that six to eight feet will have a voltage induced onto it. So if you think when you're sleeping in your bed and you have lamps plugged in on either side, and there's also electrical pressure in the outlets in behind the headboard, right? That run along the border of the, of the bed, those will couple on and create um, a voltage that we measure on people while they sleep. And this is an AC 60 Hertz voltage. This isn't natural, right? So if we were to take you out in the middle of mountains and measure this on you, it'd be very extremely low, almost nothing. But when we come into an, an energized environment, such as your bedroom, for example, and there's no lights on, right? When you're sleeping, but everything is plugged in, everything's energized. So usually we, we measure about 1.2 volts of alternating current voltage on the surface of people's skins in their sleeping areas. Right? And our cells in our body operate at about 0.1 of a volt or 0.04 of a volt. So it just adds this bioelectric noise to our body. Um, so now if we take that same lamp that's plugged into the wall and if we turn it on, right, there's now a flow of electricity. Electricity goes up to the light bulb and flows back down. There's two wires in that lamp cord. And what happens whenever there's a flow of electricity or electrical current, it creates something called a magnetic field. And a magnetic field in your homes um, doesn't extend 68 feet out like the electric fields. What happens if you have everything wired up properly in your home is the magnetic fields cancel because there's current going up to the light bulb, there's current coming back down, they're equal and opposite, and they cancel. So most magnetic fields in people's homes are very low, where we're going to see an elevated, unless there's a wiring error and we, and we check for those, for those type of things where there's going to be an elevated um, magnetic field is wherever there is like a cell phone charger, um, you know, the, the power supply for your laptop, that big black brick, that big back, big black brick converts the AC electricity to DC electricity that's required to charge the battery in your laptop or your cell phone. So that can be a point source of, ma of magnetic fields, similar to a, a motor in your fridge or your furnace. And those can, you know, extend, you know, they can be inches to, you know, two or three feet away from, from those devices. And uh, so whenever we're exposed to a magnetic field, what happens is, is there's an artificial current that gets induced in our body. So for example, our blood is a closed circuit. 
Basically, blood gets circulated around in a circle in our body. And wherever we have a conductive loop in our body, it's going to induce a current whenever we're exposed to a magnetic field. Again, this is 60 hertz frequency. This is not natural. This is all human created. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's just the basics of, of, of the magnetic fields. Then when you go up to dirty electricity, this is just essentially electrical noise. So this is noisy voltage and noisy current, which create a noisy uh, voltage on the surface of our skin and noisy currents inside of us. And this is just more biologically annoying to the body, these noisy chaotic signals. Basically in nature, things are slowly undulating or slowly changing, and these are just more chaotic. Um, so they can be potentially uh, more harmful as well. And then when we, the last one that we talk about is just simply wireless tech. It's called radio frequencies. Um, essentially, this is just electricity that gets passed through the air. And this interacts with the body in, in many different ways. Um, you know, it can open up the blood-brain barrier, it increase oxidative stress, uh, and mitochondrial dysfunction. And the way that this works is um, through um, a function called resonance. So if you had two tuning forks, and you tap one of the tuning forks, it, it'll start vibrating the second tuning fork, right? And that's just where maximum, both, both these tuning forks are tuned to the same frequency and that's where the maximum energy transfer happens. So similar type of thing happens with wireless stuff. There's an antenna, right? An antenna has a certain length and it transmits a signal. And if you have a piece of metal that's of the same length as the antenna that's transmitting, you're gonna get maximum energy transfer, right? It just so happens that we're, as humans, are conductive, so we actually act as antennas, so that we are going to absorb a certain amount of, of wireless radiation. Um, one, based on that, we just have water. Water absorbs um, wireless radiation. And two, that we're conductive and we have a certain length. So our arms have a certain length, our body and torso has a certain length, and they all have different resonant frequencies. So there's gonna be maximum energy transfer, from the wireless world to us at certain frequencies. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the basic rundown of kind of the four main human created types of, of, of EMFs and kind of their basic interaction. When we look at the overall kind of, you know, what is the, if you look at these in groups of health effects, one has to do with cancer, one has to do with fertility, um, and the other one has to do with, um, uh, hormones and neurological conditions. And those are the three areas that, um, that are common to all these, these EMFs. Okay. And are there, what's the science? So this is such a controversial area. There are people that just completely deny that this is a thing. There's other people that make their lives around it like you do. So I hate to word, use the word science these days because it's such a bastardized term. <laughs> However, I mean, I know there's studies upon studies. I mean, I'm sure it's like, to me, this is irrefutable. I just, it just makes logical. I don't need a study to know that something non-native to my body when I'm supposed to be outside in on the ground, whatever, and that I'm surrounded by all this stuff. Like right now I've got lights and the computer and you know, I don't know where my phone is, but something it's, I can't. I mean, common sense will tell me that that is not natural and that is going to have an impact over time. So what is, what are those, what's the science up there? What are the studies? What is the, what's out there to let us know? And is it really irrefutable or not? Right. So the question becomes on who you ask. Okay. So 
if you go to the Health Canada website in 1996, okay, they would say there's no evidence that shows negative effects from EMFs. If you were to go back to that same website in the year 2000, it would say the weight of evidence shows no effects. So <laughs> okay. Now, if we went back in 2016, it said the totality of scientific evidence does not support a link between exposures from electromagnetic fields and health effects. So it's changing over time. And now if you look at it in 2022, they say, do you know what? This wireless tech at higher frequencies might heat up our body. And at lower frequencies, it might cause muscle and nerve stimulation. And that's all we're protecting you from. So Health Canada, the safety guidelines are only protecting you from heating up and muscle and nerve stimulation from EMFs. That's the only thing it protects you from. And at least they're being quite upfront with it now before they said, you know, there's no effects, but that's all they're looking at. And it's all short-term effects. Okay. Yeah. So when we look at what else Health Canada states, you know, they state something, this is on their website as of yesterday, you know, it says organic produce. This is what it says. Whether we eat organic or conventionally grown produce is a personal choice. To date, there's no evidence to show that there's a health risk from eating conventionally grown produce because of pesticide residues or that organic foods are safer to eat than conventionally produced food, right? So, you know, you just kind of have to take your health into your own hands and you can't rely on certain agencies to, to, no. um, to, to kind of look after your own health, right? And when we look at Health Canada, for example, they are, so the government of Canada is responsible for selling Spectrum, for example, to the telecom companies. They're, they're responsible for what, sorry? Selling Spectrum or the frequencies in which your cell phone can oh, operate okay. at. Yeah. Right. So it, it's called, so it's called the Spectrum auction, essentially. So the last Spectrum auction was in 2021 and it was selling off a mid band. We'll get into 5G, but it's one of the bands that, that are used for 5G. And they sold it off to the telecoms or $8.9 billion. Okay. They are also the same people who have to come up with safety guidelines from Health Canada standpoint mm. of, of what's... So in the last seven years, they've made $19.8 billion off of selling frequencies to the telecoms. And there are also the same people who have to um, come up with safety guidelines for what is a safe exposure. And the issue with this is they don't have, you know, there's been nothing studied more on the planet than electromagnetic fields from studies. There are literally thousands of studies showing negative biological effects. The issue is if this government or any government, if they acknowledge that there's a problem, then they have to fix it. And they don't have a convenient, a convenient solution for this. So let's just take wireless technology, for example. If they say that they're, they, if they take like environmental medicine guidelines or, or um, um, you know, precautionary principles into play, we're gonna have to drastically dial back the exposure from cell towers. And unfortunately, one, people are just addicted to their phones. So we have that issue. But the other thing is they don't have a convenient solution to this that doesn't impede their cash flow in as well. 
So it's just a conflict of interest, um, but it's a conflict of interest where they don't have an easy solution for it. And if they don't have an easy solution for it, they're not going to acknowledge the problem. Right. Just, of course. That's just, that's just how governments work. So when we look at, let's just run through the safety guidelines compared Health Canada to the rest of the world. Okay. So we're going to take a typical cell phone frequency of, of 1800 megahertz. So Health Canada has safety guidelines at 4.3 million. Okay. That protects you from an exposure from one frequency over a period of six minutes from heating up. Okay. So yeah. they basically did this way back 20 or 30 years ago. They took a 220 pound, six foot two mannequin, which was the 90th percentile of the military, and exposed it to one frequency over a period of six minutes and increased the intensity until that body increased one degree Celsius. And then they put in a safety factor of five, 10 or hundred and they land at this 4.3 million. 40% of the population of the earth have safety guidelines at a hundred thousand. And so okay. Canada was what again? 4.3 million. 4.3 million. Four, three, and the unit is? It's microwatts per meter squared. It's called power density. Microwatts. So these are all in the power same. Density. Okay. These are all in the same units of measure. Okay. So if we start looking at the 100,000, which is 40% of the population of the earth, they're looking at three hours or longer durations. So they're looking at open up the blood brain barrier, increase oxidative stress, mitochondrial dysfunction, things other than thermal heating. Um, and then when we look at, you know, when we kind of, so if we, so the engineers, the physicists, the governments, you know, they're basically stating, you know, Anything that doesn't heat us up is fine, right? Then we have 40% of the population of the earth who says, well, you know, we're at a whole order of magnitude below that in order to, to become safe in, in other countries, for example. Right. Then if we actually jump to the front of the line to environmental medicine doctors and what they're saying, so these are the people on the front lines that have to make people better from environmental causes. So in 2016, the environmental medicine doctors, these are board certified doctors in Europe, came out with EMF guidelines. And these guidelines stated that, you know, roughly speaking, um, we want to see daytime exposures of 100. 100, period, one zero one zero zero during the day <laughs> yeah. and 10 at night. Wow. Okay. So when we look at this, you know, let's, let's do the sanity check. Can we even do this? Is this even possible, right? So when we go into homes and we reduce, we turn off all the wireless devices in a particular home. On the main floor, we land at about 100. In the basement, we land at about 10 or less, typically. And the reason why, and on the upper floor, where if it's a two-story home, on the upper floor, we're usually above the 100 mark. Usually we're at a couple hundred or 300. Um, and what that is, is just what's coming in from the outside world in. But it is achievable in probably about 80% of the time, it's achievable to actually do this. Um, and it's a matter of changing people's habits and, and, and you know, finding different ways to use some of the devices people love. Um, but it is possible. And it's really, um, it can be a struggle for, for people to come to that realization um, that they need to change something. But once they see the benefits of doing so, it becomes an absolute no-brainer. If people end up sleeping better by turning the Wi-Fi off at night, 
no brainer, right? Uh, you know, turning power off at night to my bedroom, that seems odd. I'd really feel uncomfortable with that. As soon as their sleep improves, no brainer, right? When they see an autistic kid, you know, by turning off your cell phone, your Wi-Fi, and turning the power off to their bedroom, no baby monitors, and you see that their speech improves over a period of two weeks after doing this, no brainer. That's what you're seeing with autism? That's some of the... Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's... it's uh, so when it comes down to the science, usually I show a one-pager, um, and this one-pager, and if you have show notes, I can include this, sure. but it's basically 4,000 studies. And it's a one pager and it shows a breakdown of how these break down. So just to give you an example, um, let's see here. So oxidative stress out of these 4,387 studies showing biological effects, 491 of them show oxidative stress or free radical effects. Um, there's 294 that show DNA damage, mutagenic or genotoxic. So anything with the DNA. There's 57 that show fatigue. There's 11 that are related to autism. There's um, 667 related to altered enzyme, protein levels and protein damage in the body. Um, there's 16 on breast cancer. There's 86 on blood uh, or brain development. Um, you know, and it goes on and on and on. Do they have any studies on impact on gestation and fetal development and anything like that? So when it comes to, um, so there's 11 on miscarriage, spontaneous abortion, and fetus reabsorption. Um, and on sperm, so there's like 191 studies, it's not on this page, on sperm virility, just with cell phones. Right. Um, so, you know, um, when guys put the cell phone in the pocket, sperm virility tanks, right? And there is increasing information on... Um, on what this is doing to, 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 the, to the eggs in, in, in the females as well. Um, it just not, has not been studied as much, um, but um, miscarriages are very common. So people who live next to power lines, there's studies done that it increases miscarriage at a certain level. There's higher chances of childhood leukemia if you live next to high voltage power lines um, at certain levels. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's any other fertility or yeah. So sperm is 140. Sperm and testicular is 149. Um, I'd have to look to see if there's other ones. Endocrine and hormone effects, 134 studies. But uh, yeah, so lots of there's lots of information about this. Um, it's just there's not a convenient solution for it. So, um, and when you look at kind of, if you were to roll back time to, you know, the beginning of the century or in the 1900s, early 1900s, and compare it to the exposures now, um, it's actually one quintillion times higher than what it was. So that's- Quintillion. Yeah, it's a one with 18 zeros behind it. Wow. Yeah, so that's how much this has increased since you know, in two or three generations, essentially. Wow, that's insane. Okay, so 
before we go into the home and see what we could do with that, can you give us a rundown of what all the G's mean? Because we've got all these different G's and everybody thinks, and now and I really feel that at the beginning of this year, and I don't know if you know anything about this, like there was more people sick than I'd ever known and entire families going down like nothing before and very specific symptoms. And I'm like, I think there's a rollout going on. And I don't know if you know if there's been a recent rollout of towers being installed, turned on, whatever, but can you speak to that and also speak to the differences of the G's? Yes. So let's start with one G. Okay. First generation phone was just a, um, a big thick brick and it was a phone that you would have in your car and it connected to a cellular tower and all it did was voice, right? It was just a telephone, a right. wireless telephone essentially. So when we get into 2G, this was a pretty big deal because this allowed us to text over the cellular network. When we get into 3G, that allowed us to cruise the web, okay? And 4G allowed us to actually download a movie or a very large picture fairly quickly. Um, and then 5G is this promise of self-driving cars and downloading HD videos in seconds. Um, so what happens is every time we go up a G, what happens is the modulation and the pulses, so all this information, the ones and zeros get sent as pulses, okay? And these pulses are what's biologically annoying, okay? So if you take your microwave oven, it operates at 2.45 gigahertz. There's no information on that. And it's just an analog, pure analog signal. From an environmental medicine perspective, we're allowed like 10 or 100 times more exposure from our microwave oven than we are from Wi-Fi. Because Wi-Fi is pulsed, our cell phones are pulsed. It's sending information digitally, electrically over the air, essentially. Right? So they're just more biologically annoying. So in order for us to use these frequencies, um, you know, to download movies faster or pictures faster, it becomes more rapid pulse. And the modulation or the, 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 um, the way that they compress everything becomes more complex. So the signal becomes more complex and more biologically annoying typically. So we know that, you know, 3 and 4G is is biologically annoying. There's $30 million studies done on this. You know, there's increased um, um, tumors of the, of the saliva gland, of the brain. Um, there's heart abnormalities that, that happen in heart disease. Um, and this has been proven, you know, the gold standard of testing on, on rats and mice. Um, and I would think that it would be on the side that somebody typically would use their phone. There'd yeah, it's called, phone. It, it's called ipsilateral is the, the medical term. And that's where they, where they find higher, higher incidences of, of these tumors. And it's, it's on the side that people use their phone. It's, right. it's, it's okay. pretty, pretty clear yeah. um, what's going on there. So when we talk about like 5G, um, 5G in Canada is different than 5G in the US. Okay. So 5G in the US they have full-blown 5G in six cities in the U.S. So that means they have everything from all three flavors of 5G. There's a low band, a mid band, and a millimeter wave band. The low band is just like cellular, just that, like we, we, we usually know it. It operates at cellular frequencies. The mid band operates at Wi-Fi, so it's a little snappier. And then there is um, 
the millimeter waves, which is beam forming technology, um, really only works outside, doesn't penetrate through walls or windows. Um, so when we look at the, the environment in Canada, they've only sold off the spectrum for the low band. And that's what's being rolled out right now is this low band 5G. And this low band 5G is literally like a 10% faster than 4G. Most people don't notice any difference whatsoever with exposures, with, uh, with, with speed. Um, the mid band was just sold in July of 2021. Uh -huh. And that was sold for $8.9 billion to the telecoms. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be kind of a Wi-Fi quality um, uh, wireless signal. And this one can penetrate walls and windows. Right, so it's 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 um, it's highly coveted by by the telecoms, and that's why they paid a premium um, for it. Um, and the millimeter wave a comment about the sale of frequencies. How the hell does anybody even have the right to own that in the like? It's it's it just doesn't sound. And it's just we we're so uh, the idea of ownership and selling things in, in, in the human world is just kind of crazy to me. So. The fact that they're yeah. selling off frequencies is just how, why do they have the right to own them in the first? I don't know. It's weird. I just had to make that comment there. because Yeah. Not so every sovereign country has the right to certain things. Right. And, and one of them is, is rights of their radio waves in their country. And this mostly has to deal with, you know, so they allocate a certain number to the military, a certain number to television and radio broadcasts, and then a whole chunk of, of it to to the telecoms and it's it's just one of those things that as a as a country that's that's kind of one of the, the the things that you you regulate and it doesn't cost you anything and it's but you can sell it right yeah yeah so it's it's Great. okay it's, it's interesting okay okay thanks for that okay yeah so in canada all we have is this low band it's basically using all the same frequencies as 4g it's just slightly more modulated and can cram about 10% more information. And that's what's been deployed. Um, um, the deploy started before, you know, 2019-ish, and it continues on now. And the problem with this is it's not like once we get 5G, we remove 4G, right? This is just another layer on top of everything else. So they're all still there. They're all still there, yeah. So one of the tricks that we get people to try out on their phones is to switch, you know, in the top left or top right of your phone, you're going to see TELUS or Rogers or whoever with LTE or LTE plus, right? And you, it, but you can switch your phone from 4, 4G to 3G in most cases. Um, 3G will look like a WCDMA um, or GSM, GSM to 2G. Um, but there's a way to do that. You just Google it. Um, and usually I, we've been testing this for the last three years and every home we go into, usually when we switch from LTE to 3G, it drops your exposure by about 80% from your phone. Drops it by, so you just cut out a little bit? It drops by 80% on your phone. On your phone. So that's so your exposure is reduced by 80%. So that's because it's not emitting certain frequencies and because the frequencies are still there to tap into, but the phone's not emitting. You're saying. Right. So you, your, your exposure 
from your phone is going to be much higher than your exposure from the cell tower, right? The right. cell tower transmits a signal to your phone, yeah. your phone receives it, then your phone transmits a signal back. And it's that transmission, which is causing right. the, the, uh, the exposure. And so when your phone is on 4G, um, it's just transmitting at, at a higher, not necessarily higher frequency, but typically at a higher frequency, and it's just more modulated. So it takes more energy and the signal has to be more sharp and crisp to send it back and forth. So in order to do that, it has to boost its power. Okay. Ah. Now, if you go back and use a simpler system, so if you switch from LTE or 5G to 3G, what it's doing is it's disconnecting you from the 4G antennas on the cell tower and connecting you to an older technology, to the 3G antennas. Right. Cool. That older technology doesn't, doesn't need as much power or doesn't have to be as crisp to, uh, to, to send and receive information. So what it means is, you know, it's going to take you an extra second to get your attachments on your email as it comes through. If you're cruising through um, Instagram or, or, or Facebook or something, you know, the pictures might take an extra second to load. Yeah. Um, if you're downloading a movie or watching a movie, it's going to come in much slower. Um, but, you know, most people aren't downloading movies and stuff off their cellular data. Plan, no. Right. Yeah. So. Most, most of the time, it, it doesn't matter, but it's always something that we try. And about 90% of the time, um, you know, this reduces, has a significant impact on people's exposures um, day to day. Well, but, but yeah, that's, that's the whole G thing. Um, it, uh, if 5G is in Canada, it's the low band, which is like 4G plus 10% faster. Um, there'll be other ones that get rolled out. And the whole concern about these, the, the, the full rollout of 5G is the mid band and the upper band, they're at higher frequencies, right? And when you go up in frequencies, they, the signal doesn't travel as far. So on, you know, on some nights, if you're really lucky, you can actually pick up like an AM Seattle station, right? But you'll never ever in Calgary be able to pick up an FM radio station from Seattle. And that's because it transmits at a much higher frequency. And the AM ah. stations transmit at a much lower frequency, so they can travel much further. Oh, interesting. So when we get into the mid-band and, and the millimeter wave, what happens is the antennas can't be spaced out as far. They have to be tighter. So that means that, you know, as we get closer to these antennas, our exposures are going to increase. And the more antennas they are, the, the, the higher the exposure is going to be. So whether it's a cell phone, a cell tower, a Wi-Fi, you're cordless Bluetooth headphones. Every time you double your distance from those, you reduce your exposure 400% or fourfold. So the difference between holding a cell phone up to your head and three feet away from you is a 50-fold reduction in exposure. So distance is extremely important when we're talking about EMFs. Right. So say those numbers again. I want to write those down that every time you distance it by how much? So every time you double your distance, Double the distance, okay. You reduce your exposure by 400% or fourfold. Okay. From wireless devices. And that's, that's just a physics, a law of physics. Yeah. That's, that's just what that is. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So everybody, use your phone on speakerphone, far away from you. Not yeah. Just yeah. one simple thing. And we're going to talk about the tips, right, that people can do. More, maybe more sophisticated ones and some basic ones. But that's a really simple thing that people can do. Yeah. right away so yeah i can't even i can't even put it to my head i just i don't even like wearing it on my body i don't even put it in a pocket it's always in a bag 
and as much as possible it's at I'm not necessarily always an airplane, but I'll turn off Wi-Fi and um, just the cellular so that only text can get through. But even that, I like to just put it on airplane. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when you when you when you break it down, right? Switching from five G or four G to three G will knock your exposure down by eighty percent. Okay. Right. Now, if you were to turn your cellular data off on your phone it's gonna reduce your exposure by 90% from LTE to data off on your phone. And with your data off on your phone, you're still gonna get text messages and phone calls. Right. Um, iMessages, I, you may or may, you'll probably eventually get them, but they'll be a little bit delayed. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And then if you were to, um, yeah. And then if you wanted to, you can actually hardwire your cell phone, okay? Oh. And what that means is you disconnect yourself from the cellular network or the cellular internet and use a hardwired connection. So when you do that, that's the same thing as turning your cellular data off, right? It drops your exposure by about 90%. So Mitch's ideal world, people who are sitting at a desk with their cell phone right beside them, and there's an ethernet available, you can actually hardwire your, your, your iPhone or an Android phone to a hardwired connection. Um, and what that does is it drastically reduces your exposure um, and also reduces the need for other cell towers and things like that um, with that. So, so that's one option. And then if you wanted to go completely um, no radiation, but still have a cell phone that you can text and get phone calls on, you can move to something called like open phone. So open phone is a, uh, a software service that basically has an app that you can load on your tablet, your laptop, your computer, or your phone. And if you hardwire your phone, your laptop, your computer, you can actually send and receive phone calls through Canada and the U S and text messages in Canada and in the U S um, for $11 us a month. So it's pretty economical. Yeah. Um, and if you're one of those people that are at a desk or for me, I'm either at my desk or cooking in the kitchen. That's, those are kind of my two places where I live. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, if you have open phone, you can have a hardwired connection in your kitchen, a hardwired connection at, at, at your desk. And, you know, you can text using the, the keypad on your, on your laptop, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and then the only thing that's left over is, okay, what do I do when I'm out and about and somebody needs to get a hold of me? I want to meet somebody at a restaurant. We're going to meet up later. I don't know when, but so then you just get a pay-as-you-go plan for your actual cell phone and use that. And you can actually forward your cell phone or your open phone to one or the other. So you don't miss any calls whatsoever. So, um, but anyway, I just make that mention to that because it's like $11 US. It's pretty economical. Totally. Unlimited texting and calling in the US and Canada. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just helps reduce that reliance on those uh, the cell towers in your communities. Absolutely. Cool. I've never heard of that one. That's amazing. So if there's, there's a will, there's a will, there's a way. There's always a way, right? We just have to be willing to look into it and change our, like you said, change habits, right? Yeah. So yeah. And even for kids like, like tablets, um, you know, those can be hardwired as well. Some kids, you know, they, that's part of their, their daily life is, is, is using a tablet, but all the tablets can be hardwired as well. 
um, whether it be an Android or an Apple, iPad, um, whatever. So, um, you know, Nintendo DSs, there's on my blog, on my website, there's a way to how you hook up a, a Nintendo, sorry, Nintendo Switch. Um, so it's completely hardwired and no radiation coming off of there um, as well. Same with the PS4 um, and, uh, and those gaming systems. So, yeah. Um, so is yeah. that what you recommend in people's homes when you go into people's homes? So what is what are some of the basic recommendations that you make? Like hardwiring? Other, what, what, are, what are the things that you think that people, some simple tips and maybe some more sophisticated tips that people can do to reduce their exposure? Yeah, so the, 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 there's, there's a bunch of quick wins, right? The quick win is um, if you have a cordless phone in your house, um, turn it off. Uh, ideally, remove it, um, but just get a corded phone. So you can pick these up at Staples or online. Even get the fancy old school rotary ones if you really want to go old yeah, school. My friend has one. When she's on the phone, she actually is on the sitting on the phone. We have one in the kitchen that is a really long cord so that yeah. I can walk around a little bit and do some. Yeah. 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 So um, so if you have a, a cordless phone, um, if you really need to use a, a cordless phone, um, you want to turn it off at night at a minimum. I like to put it on a power bar. Um uh, for people who can't do without the, the cordless phone and just make sure that it's turned off at night. Um, sometimes I put it on a, on a, on a Christmas light timer just to make sure that it's off at night. Um, but, but that's a quick win when it comes to Wi-Fi in the home, a quick win is putting it on a Christmas light timer as well. Our body rest recovers and repairs at night. So that's when we have to have the cleanest EMF environment. Our body's meant to take mental, emotional, physical stress during the day. But at night, it's supposed to rest, recover, and repair. So, um, you know, a Christmas light timer on Wi-Fi and printers. Depending on where the printer is located in your home, chances are it's a Wi-Fi-enabled printer. It acts just like a Wi-Fi router. It allows you to print directly from your phone um, and do a, a few other things. So um, printers are a big one. So that's another one that we just want to unplug um, at night. And then uh, when it comes to people's homes, um, yeah, there's, there's uh, basically hardwire any device you can. If it doesn't move, um, it's nice to get it hardwired. So smart TVs, they don't move. Let's get a hardwired connection to them. And there's several ways you can go about doing this. Um, some, if you're in an older home and you don't have Ethernet run throughout your home, you can actually repurpose your TV cables using what's called a Mocha adapter. And uh, so you can repurpose the TV cables in your home for Ethernet cables. Uh, With so a can, Mocha adapter? M-O-C-A. Oh, Mocha. Okay. M-O-C-A. Okay. Yeah, Mocha adapter. Um, so that can, be, um, that can be just a quick fix for some people if they want to get a hardwired connection um, to, to a certain area. Um, and then just around the TVs, it's just, it's just literally putting everything on where your TV is on a power bar and turning it off. It's going to save you a few pennies every, every month on electricity bills, but a lot of the smart TVs, the tabletop, um, or the, the, the cable boxes, whether it be through Shaw or, or TELUS, they transmit a signal 24 seven, even when they're off in some cases, Wow. Um, so just keeping everything off, um, and then, yeah, those are kind of the, the quick wins. When it comes to um, the sleeping areas, there's this Sage and Zel Sage and Jelter protocol. So this is what helps 80% of autistic kids improve uh, 
in within two weeks of doing this. But I found it just also helps people in general <laughs> improve their sleep. And it requires three things. One is to turn the circuit breaker off to the bedroom. So turn on the lights, turn on a lamp, go to your electrical panel and turn the breakers off one at a time until the, the, the outlets turn off and the overhead light turn off. Um, and just put a sticker on those and turn those off at night. Uh, the second thing is to turn off the Wi-Fi at night, physically unplug it. And uh, the other thing is to turn off your phone, cordless phones and baby monitors at night. So those are the three simple things you can do. And that's part of the Sage and Jelter protocol that improved 80% uh, of autistic kids improve after, after uh, two weeks of, of this protocol. Um, and so when you do that, you just have to make sure that your smoke detector, your fridge, your furnace, your fire alarm, your security system still works. Um, and you're not turning off the power to those. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, some of the environmental medicine doctors that are out there, they'll turn their whole house off at night. So they have wow. a fridge that actually stays cool for eight hours or 10 hours or whatever it is. They get these super fridges and they physically turn off their whole house um, for that. So it sounds a little odd. Um, but again, when you see the results, it becomes a no brainer Totally. for it. So that's, yeah, we've been that's, turning off our, our Wi-Fi for years now. We just have a, it's not on a timer, but it's a switch. It's mm -hmm. like a Christmas tree thing too, but we just turn it on and off when we, when we don't need it. And it's funny, we have somebody staying with us this summer. He's like, I've never met anybody who turns their Wi-Fi. He thought it was so weird that we were turning. I'm like, sorry, you're not going to be able to use your phone Wi-Fi, you know, after a certain time. And like, I cannot have it on and he was so shocked so yeah yeah we we go to uh so so i'm part of uh the building biology institute which is like a they've been teaching this for 30 years right this, wow. this they brought it over from germany translated the the curriculum from german to english and they've been teaching it in north america for for 30 years so we have to put on courses and when we put on courses in person courses we basically take over a hotel and we have to go through this procedure of disabling the wi-fi in the whole place Right. So, yeah, I, I uh, it's a thing um, and uh, it's becoming more of a thing. There's 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 certain hotels that may actually advertise in Europe that they are Wi-Fi free. Oh, nice. Um, so, uh, wow. Amazing. so, yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons I hate hotels because they got all these blinking lights and you just know the density. Like I couldn't even imagine being in a university class. He says, you know, we used to write everything down, but now you've got everybody with laptops everywhere. Like. I, I, or even in a plane, the last time I'm in a plane, I feel like, oh, I, I just, just knowing it really bothers me. Like the density of the frequencies that are being passed around is just crazy. So speaking of that, how strong are all the neighboring frequencies that are emitting from the neighbors and in the neighborhood? Because there's a long list of, of signals there. Yeah. And, and, you know, very fascinating, right? So when we're, when we were talking about the safety guidelines for, for cell phones, let's say, right? 4.3 million was Health Canada, 100,000 for 40% of the population of the earth. Environmental medicine doctors in Europe want to see 100 or 10. In order for a cell phone to actually operate, it requires 0. 0.0001. Wow. Right? Of course, they have to boost this power so it gets through concrete buildings and windows and all this other thing. But the actual amount that a phone needs to actually operate is quite low. The amount that a, a Wi-Fi router actually needs to operate is quite low as well. So when you open up your 
your see all the Wi-Fi networks and you see a bunch down at like one bar, right? You're gonna have a long list. You're gonna have one or two that are like full bars, which are probably the ones in your home. You know, two or three bars are gonna be your neighbors and then a bunch of one bars. Um, so the one bars are gonna be probably under that 10 or 100 level. Like they're, they're, they're not the concern, right? It's probably the two, three, four bar type of uh, signals that, 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 that are most concern. But when we walk into a home, you know, just by controlling what's in your environment, we reduce people's exposure by sometimes 80 to 90% is not uncommon, right? And it's that, that every time you double your distance, you reduce your exposure by fourfold, right? So it's the things that are closest to you are the things that are affecting you the most. And those are the things that you happen to have control over, right? right? Uh, obviously, there's certain, certain, you know, if there's a cell tower two doors down from you or, or direct line of sight to a cell tower and that type of thing, yes, your exposures are going to be increased and, and you might have to do something in addition. But usually just by re controlling the stuff in your environment has a significant impact on on. Uh, what do you exposure. think of all like grounding sheets, grounding straps, grounding mats, stickers? Like I feel a difference. Like when I'm on my laptop for some, I put it, the grounding mat I used to put my feet on, but I actually put the computer on my mat. Cause sometimes I can feel like a field on my, on my mouse of my laptop. Mm -hmm. And that goes away when I ground it. And I feel a lot different that way. What do you, what are your feelings around all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about grounding. Then we'll talk about the the chips, pendants, and, okay. and, and okay. crystals. So um, the whole concept of earthing is when we're out in nature and walking barefoot on the ground, what happens is electrons from the earth come into our body and quench the free radicals or the inflammation in our body, essentially. Um, everyone is in agreement that that is super awesome to do is to walk barefoot in, outside. Huge benefits to that. It reduces your inflammation quite drastically. So if you were to sleep outside, let's say, the antioxidant equivalent of sleeping outside or sleeping earthed properly, let's say, is the equivalent of a 500 gram vitamin C IV every night from an antioxidant wow. level. I've never heard of that. Oh, wow. Which is huge. Yeah. Okay. So... You know, Tour de France people use it, high-performance athletes use it to reduce inflammation, increase performance. Awesome. What happens when you try to do that inside your home? So the products that are out there have two options. One is to plug it into the third prong of your outlet and use the equipment ground of your house as your earth ground. And, uh, and then you rest on this conductive sheet. And that is not the same as having bare feet out in nature. So what happens when you plug into that third prong uh, is there's this 30 to 60 millivolts, or probably 60 to 80 millivolts now of AC electricity that is on there. And what AC electricity does is it pulls electrons uh, one way and then another way. It's this electrical pressure and it's pushing electrons in and out of your body essentially. So when you're out in nature, there's just supposed to be a flow of electrons into your body. Right. Okay. So not to say that this isn't of benefit to people. Some people swear by it and other people can't stand it. So, you know, it, it's kind of based on your constitution makeup and, and, and what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
Now, when, when we go into people's homes, you know, what we do is we measure millionths of an amp of flow between the person and the ground that they're grounding. And we know there's some well-done studies that if it's above 18 microamps, that that's a carcinogenic level of current leaving your body. Um, and that's 18 millionths of an amp. Like it's a very small amount. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to best practices, if people want to earth or ground inside their home, what we find works with the greatest population is to actually ground it to outside, not the third prong. Right. Okay. And we don't do that in our bedroom because we live in a little old house and the, the grounding prong doesn't even work in the bedroom. <laughs> right. So we even do that, but we turn everything off and we don't have lamps. We don't have any power. We have, we have the light overhead, which we should probably even turn that off, but we, we read with little reading lights clipped to our books. Yeah. 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 So, you, so, so you're doing a, a lot of great things. Um, you know, when we, when we earth next to computers, for example, as well, there's an, in, we usually see an increase of current flow or this, this millionths of an amp flow through our body. So sometimes we, we don't recommend earthing and next to, next to computers. Um, but mm. if you're feeling better with it, you know, who am I to say, I'm just looking at one, I'm hyper-focused at one number on a meter right. of mine. Yeah. Um, and there's probably other things going on. I feel different in my head. Like it, yeah. it I feel different and maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just psychological. Maybe it's just, Oh, I've got that in there. And, but the physical feeling of whatever this fuzziness is on the, the mouse changed. So I try to use a mouse, not the one on the computer. So, so another thing to try is just to disconnect the actual cord and just put your feet on it. Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a lesser known thing of by putting both feet on something conductive, um, you're kind of dissipating a charge in your body or you're equalizing a charge in your body. So it's equal on both sides. Ah. If, if, if we had like an electrical model of a person, um, there'd be kind of capacitors in certain areas. And those capacitors can hold energy, essentially. And when you put both feet on something conductive, such as an earthing mat, that dissipates that. It equalizes it as well. So um, just something to try out, it, you know, if it, just to put your feet on something conductive yeah because um, that has an effect for certain people as well just mm -hmm. that fact without having to plug into uh to an earth interesting so there actually so there's actual power coming through the ground it's not in that that's what you're saying is that what you're saying there's a bit of power coming through that grounding prong so what i'm saying is there's a little bit of electrical pressure on right. the grounding system and that's just everywhere in north america that's that's the case. Usually it's 30 or 60 to 80 millivolts. Okay. Yeah. And just why, you know, that's kind of important because our cells in our body operate at like hundred millivolts, 40 millivolts. That's the voltage difference between inside of a cell and the outside of our cell. Um, so that when we have, you know, 60 to 80 millivolts on our grounding system, that potentially could be annoying to certain people. Right. right? Okay. So, um, so that's what the whole earthing spiel. When we talk about pendants, chips, holograms, uh, and those type of things, um, it's never my go-to for dealing with EMFs. So EMFs, you basically have four choices. You can remove the source. You can use dilution 
or try to reconfigure that device so it doesn't put off as much. Um, or you can use shielding technologies. And as a last resort, you can use the chips, pendants, and, and holograms, in my opinion. Okay. And the reason why, basically, if you remove the source, you remove the problem, right? You deal with the root cause. So there's that's hands down the best. If you can't reduce the, the, the source, then you try to distance your weight, your, your, yourself away from the source, or sometimes you reconfigure the source. But what I mean by reconfigure is Nest thermostats, they transmit Wi-Fi all the time. You can disconnect the Nest thermostat from the Wi-Fi, and it still operates as a Nest thermostat. You just can't look on your phone and dial in the temperature from your phone. I don't need to do that. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but if you go away on vacation, you can turn it back on, leave your Wi-Fi on, and you have all the benefits of the Nest thermostat when you need it. Um, anyway, um, also, you can change the settings in your Wi-Fi router to reduce your exposure by about 90%. And this is what we recommend for schools. If there's any schools out there, um, we've done the work. I work with a nonprofit in, in the U.S. Uh, called techsafeschools.org, and we can change the settings in, it takes literally a minute to change the settings in the Wi-Fi router in a classroom to reduce the exposure about 90%. So we could do that in our homes? You can change the settings on our routers in our homes? Uh, most likely, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, okay. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of the, the, the distance and, and reconfiguration. And then shielding technology is just shielding you from the source. And this is not my go-to at all. I'm, I'm always a little hesitant about shielding. Shielding always is a double-edged sword and it doesn't actually deal with the root cause. It can be a really good band-aid solution if you don't have a choice. For example, in, in condos, we highly recommend bed canopies in condos just because the density of the wireless signals is so high. Right. Um, and even by turning off all the wireless devices in your space, sometimes we don't get that big of a reduction. Uh-huh. But uh, the bed canopy works really well in, in those type of cases. And you can take the bed canopy if you move in, in those type of things. And what about paint? What about painting the walls and stuff? Yeah, so paint works well as well. But painting, if you think of your bedroom, you would have to paint the doors, the baseboard trim, the walls, the ceiling. Do you have hardwood floor on, on, on your floors? You can't, you don't want to paint over top of your hardwood floors, right? So it becomes, um, and then what do you do if you have plastic casings on your windows, right? It's going to come through there. Um, so usually in bedrooms, we have to paint the walls, the ceiling. And then if you have carpet, we'll lay down foil underneath the carpet, paint the doors, the baseboards, the window trim, the door trim, and then put up uh, shielding fabric as a curtain over top of the window, or just get blackout blinds that has the metal foil right. in between. So all that means is it's, there's all these little details that have to happen versus you can buy a bed canopy and put it up in an afternoon and be done with it. And so the does bed can canopy cover everything? Like, does it just cover the entire bed? What does so it look like? If you can picture a four post bed. Yeah. Okay. And move that four post bed to like Costa Rica and put a mosquito net over top of it. Okay. So, okay. Okay. That's what it is. And we put a ground sheet underneath it if you're above grade or above um, the, the level of the ground. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, but when you do that, right, 
what we find works best for people is you have to turn off the power to the bedroom. Okay. There's these things called electric fields that'll create a voltage on the surface of the, of the bed canopy and re-radiate inside. So you have to turn off the power. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so, you know, there's, there's just that extra step. If you put paint, let's say you have a cell phone tower to the left side of your room, you paint that wall, right? It's going to reflect the, the cell phone tower signal away from you. But anything coming from the other direction, like your Wi-Fi router or your cell phone, is going to reflect off the paint and come back at you. Uh, doesn't mean it doesn't mean you get a double whammy, but you're going to get an increased exposure from the other side. Right. So when we do bedrooms, we typically don't like to do a wall because a year from now, six months from now, five years from now, there'll be a cell tower put in a different location where it's going to end up being like a ref it's going to make the situation worse with it. So hmm. um, interesting. Yeah. Um, I forgot how we got here. We were talking about, you were talking about the different levels, like remove the root cause and then, and you right. yeah. Right. And then, yeah. So, so, so shielding is always a double-edged sword. Um, we always use measurements to back up before and after just to prove it's doing what it's doing. Um, if you're, you don't do that, you're, you're just kind of shooting in the dark. Um, you know, we've, we've gone into to a lot of do-it-yourself jobs and found that they've actually made the situation much worse and not better by applying it. Okay. So you just have to do it strategically, use meters to, to measure it. So yeah, so chips, pendants, and and uh, and crystals and, and things like that. So um, what happens when we're using harmonizers, uh, chips, and pendants? So when we use these devices, it actually... Um, induces a physiological response in the body, okay? I'm in agreement that there are devices out there that do that, and they're doing it at an energetic level, okay? The EMFs that are coming the, of your exposure is at a physics level, okay? And you usually want to, any long-term solution usually deals with dealing with things at the root cause, okay? So you want to deal physics problems with physics, metaphysics with metaphysics, biochemistry with biochemistry, typically. So when you start using um, something like harmonizers, chips and pendants, is it's kind of like taking Tylenol for your headache. You're not dealing with the root cause of it. Yes, it may help alleviate the headache, but it's not dealing with that root cause. So I'm not a huge fan of, of using those. If you use them and you feel great with them, awesome. But what we tend to find is that their effect fizzles over time. So what may be really effective right now, a year from now, you may not even notice any difference at all. Mm. And um, there is the famous chicken study um, that was done by Dr. Klinghardt. He couldn't publish it, but what he did and this is a, a, a medical doctor from Germany who practices in the UK and the US. And he's been looking at EMS for over 40 years. So this is not a, a new thing for him at all. And he was really interested about harmonizers because when he would muscle test people, um, he would find that there was a certain benefit from it. But in the end, he wasn't seeing those benefits actually come to fruition with his patients. So Basically what happens with chickens is there was two chicken coops. They adjust the heat and the temperature 
in chicken coops to make the hens produce more eggs. So there is an EMF environment in these chicken coops. So they took one chicken coop, just let it as is, the, 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 and they put harmonizers in the second chicken coop. Okay. So what happened was the chickens in the chicken coop with the harmonizers produced twice as many eggs as the chickens without the harmonizers. But the chickens that produce twice as many eggs died twice as fast. Oh, interesting. So this wow. is just a pilot study. Yeah. Not a great large sample size. Take it for what you will. In his mind, this put to bed the whole thing of, of harmonizers. So in his mind, you know, it was more like it was masking actually what was going on versus actually positively helping the person. Wow. So you know, I, you know, if I come to somebody who's really struggling with their health, right. Um, and they're really finding it hard to take that next step to improving their health, you know, harmonizers and things like that might help in that type of situation where it just gives them a boost to help them get over that hump yeah. to start making those strides to improve their health. Um, I'm just wondering, but, what do you do when you're like, I just want out of the city. Eventually, I will get out of this city because the things, the density is only increasing. What do we do when we're walking around and there's a freaking tower every hundred meters, wherever you're at, just blasting at you all the time? I mean, when you're out and about and you want to get some fresh air or something, you know, you, what do you do yeah. like that? So the whole idea is we want to build up your resilience, right? Our body's meant to take stress during the day. But at night is really where we need to focus in. And the reason why we can focus in on there is because we have most control over it, right? right. And it also happens that that's the, we don't need our lights on while we're sleeping, right? right? We don't, you know, you want it dark, black, and cold, right? Yes, totally. Um, so, you know, the, the, you know, so we have complete control over our sleeping area. We can kind of go bananas with a really small room, even if it costs something, but that's where we see the biggest impacts for people. And the whole idea is, you know, whether I'm working with a functional medicine doctor or just somebody who just wants to improve their health, by improving their sleep and improving their, their sleeping area, it just helps their body rest, recover, and repair and get ready for the next day. So the whole idea is work on your bedroom, expand that out to maybe your house, get that as clean as possible. And then you don't have to worry about when you go outside, right? Yeah, you get blasted. So what? You know, you got, you, you've built up your resiliency at home. Right. Right. And I love that because I don't think the word resilience, and I just did a class on building resilience, actually. I don't think that's a term that I would use to describe most people these days. And I really encourage people to work on building their resilience because it's being broken down. So I love coming from that perspective. That's, that's. Yeah. And, you know, when it, when it comes to a lot of simple things, like, you know, schools is one of the hard ones right now with five schools right that's like my son's eight okay but you know with wi-fi in schools there is such a simple solution right there's three settings we can change in the wi-fi router to reduce the exposure by 90 percent right and when we do this what we found first of all in schools some like high schools find that 90 percent of the internet traffic is not even school related yeah <laughs> right okay so we, we, we've talked to schools where the only reason why they've updated their Wi-Fi to stronger, more powerful Wi-Fi is because it's getting so much use. But if they cut out 
90% of that, which was not used for school usage, they wouldn't right. have to update. It. Okay. And then we also find when we reduce these settings and reduce the exposure is there's less interference between the Wi-Fi routers and classrooms. And the network actually operates more efficiently. Ah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's all about changing kind of, you know, a lot of what we're dealing with is just this convenience. We're being sold convenience on so many levels. Yeah. You know, it's just easy to throw up a Wi-Fi router, right? Yeah. But a long-term solution is to get fiber optics into classrooms, right? So we never have to do an update for like the lifespan of the of the building, right? right. Um, so anyway. How um, do we learn how to how to change our settings on our home routers? Um I don't have a one pager on that. Um, I'll, I'll just tell it to you and you can kind of Google search. Okay. Um, so there's something called a beacon signal. Okay. And um, actually I'll just share my audio from my, uh, actually, do you want to just allow me to share my audio and I, I can actually show you. Kind of sure. So do I just have to, uh, Make you a post. This is what I'm doing. Think, yeah. Oh, wait, cancel. No, no, no. Co host, co host, co host. Let's see. Okay. Can you do that? Okay. So I'm just going to share my computer audio here for a second. So there's this thing called a beacon signal. And this is what it sounds like. It sounds like a helicopter sound. Yeah, yeah. And that's sending out its network ID 10 times a second. That's that. Da, 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 da. And um, so all wireless routers do this. Uh, wireless printers might do it as well. And um, basically by changing the beacon signal from 100 milliseconds to 1,000 milliseconds, will have no impact on connecting to any of your devices, but instead of that da 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 da, da, da it'll be da, da, Oh, okay, da. very cool. Right, and then what there is is something called a power output. And this will be either, you, there'll be either be a drop down like high, medium, or low, or it'll be a percentage between zero and 100%, or it'll be in milliwatts. Um, so you wanna set it to low, if it's a high, medium, or low setting, you want to set it to 25% if it's percentage. And if it's in milliwatts, you want to set it to 25 uh, milliwatts. Cool. Okay. And when you, when you do that, it's going to uh, reduce um, the distance in which your Wi-Fi will travel. So just be aware of that. Okay. So um, in classrooms, the Wi-Fi router or the wireless access point is usually mounted in the classroom in most classrooms and usually they, they have them set to 100 percent which bleeds over to one or two other classrooms so when they dial this back it just feeds the classroom um, and then the last thing has to do with the number of radios so there's a 2.4 and a 5 gigahertz radio uh, or transmitter essentially in your in your wi-fi router and if you turn only one or the other on, um, you basically cut your exposure in half uh, because there's two transmitters and you drop down to one. So the 2.4, you, 
gigahertz one works really well if you need a larger area to, to service. And the, so you can leave that one on and turn off the five gigahertz. If you need to service, uh, if you really need fast connection and you're fairly close to the, to the router, then you would go with the five gigahertz um, radio. So that'll, that'll allow a faster connection, but it doesn't travel as far. Very interesting. Okay, super helpful. Thank you. So if you were to, so you go into people's homes, right? And you assess the situation, you give them. So what can somebody expect from a visit with you and your, your service and how do people, let's find out what, what people can get from you, how to contact you and all that, what you provide and. Yeah, our, our kind of core services right now have to deal with um, one, um, if people are building new homes or doing renovations, uh, there's a lot of things that we can do economically when we do a new build. And it's just, you know, making sure we have all the ethernet connections. What type of ethernet connections do we use, right? Do we want to shield a, a bedroom so that the sleeping area is a sleeping sanctuary? You know, how do we best do that? How do we avoid, you know, sources of dirty electricity in our home? We really want to put a solar system on our home. Solar systems are notorious for creating the high levels of dirty electricity. Oh, interesting. A lot of people are going with, uh, you know, um, electric cars these days. What happens with yeah. electric cars, certain manufacturers, when you charge them, they only charge in the middle of the night. And when they charge, they backfeed your home with a lot of dirty electricity. So uh -huh. this, can be, this can be potentially uh, harmful. So yeah, so it, it's all about uh, how to build uh, or renovate a, a low EMF home, everything from selecting your lighting systems. Um, anyway, there's a whole a whole thing with, with, with building low EMF homes. And the other thing we do is home buyer assessments. So people are going into a home and we look at these what we call red flags. And red flags are essentially things we can't really do too much about if you move into the home. Like we can't remediate, we can't make it any better. So this is like distances from cell phones, AM, FM radio, digital TV broadcasts. Um, you know, in Calgary, we have, we have some areas that have a few more of these towers than, than others. Um, you know, direct line of sight to airport radar in Calgary is a, is a big problem. You know, anywhere within 10 kilometers of the airport radar, um, every four seconds, you get this blip from the radar sweep. Oh. That could be, that could be, um, Huh. Just biologically annoying to the body. Right. Um, and then we look at kind of power lines and the effect of, you know, some of these are pretty obvious, like the high voltage transmission lines and what the effect is to the home from them. But there's other ones that actually go underground that you can't see. So we, we, uh, we evaluate kind of what the exposure is from, uh, from those um, underground. What if you're just in an old area and you've just got the power lines, the above ground power lines? Just Yeah, so statistically speaking, um, the power lines that have like the crossbar on the top and the three lines over yeah. resting on the crossbar, those ones statistically are affecting more people in a city than transmission lines, the overhead transmission lines. And the reason for that is those aren't always balanced. Those three wires that are over top of the, the, uh, the crossbar, so they can be flowing much different um, amounts of electricity. And that'll increase the magnetic field that, get, that, that gets created from it. And those are, um, those are just more difficult to, to, to deal with. There's something called active cancellation that we can, that we can employ, uh, but it's not cheap. Um, hmm. We just kind of lay out those things for people. The ideal one is the one with the single wire over, over top, overhead. 
those statistically have the least amount of issues. Okay, good to know. I'll have to see what I have because I'm in an old area with above ground lines and I can't remember what there is. Eh, yeah. yeah, so so the, the home buyer is just to look at any major red flags and any major items that we would have to mitigate and kind of put a price tag to that um, if you really wanted that home. Um, sometimes we go out and help people find low MF properties, um, things like that outside the city. Um, um, but uh, yeah, and then the bread and butter stuff that we do is just home assessments. Um, we basically go into your home. Um, we, the way that it operates, we get a general tour of the home. We um, look at um, your as found situations. We take measurements in the areas that you use the most, including the sleeping areas. And then we go in and we go, go a treasure hunt for everything that's wireless in your home and we right. just document it. And then we have a chat about, do you actually use this? It's not uncommon for us to find these artifacts from years gone by of things that are just transmitting that are never, ever being used. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, Xboxes, the original Xboxes transmit a signal like a cordless phone, even when they're plugged in and not working. Oh. Um, you know, there's people that have smart, um, speakers but they never use them those transmit a signal 24 7 fairly strong sometimes they're on their nightstands um you know just different wireless devices smart tvs um things like that so yeah we just document everything and just let you know what your options are if you wanted to reduce the exposures some of these things are as simple as christmas light timers or off delay timers um or they can be more involved like um you know, hardwiring and, and, and rewiring some things so we can get hardwired connections to the tablets, laptops, cell phone, and your smart TVs. Um, sometimes we can use existing wiring. Sometimes you have to pull new wiring. We just kind of let you know what you're all your, all your. And you can use your, you can get like uh, special plugs where you can use the power. Can't you, can you make a power outlet a source of uh, an ethernet connection? Yeah, so you, they're called power line adapters. And um, what they're used is you plug in an ethernet cord into one in one room, then you go into another room and just plug it into the electrical outlet and plug in an ethernet cord and you have a connection. So those, what they do is they're actually modulating your electrical system uh, to send information. It's basically creating dirty electricity in your home oh. to send the information. And so is that better than Wi-Fi? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, is it? So you're reducing your Wi-Fi dependence on Wi-Fi, but you're increasing the dirty electricity in your home. So that's usually not a recommendation that I make. I okay. rather like to use the Mocha adapters, like to use hardwired Ethernet, or even fish. Like it's called fishing. Bring new wires to to certain rooms. Some some cases it's really easy to do. Some cases it's not. Um, but I like to always explore those options first before going with something like a power. Right. Line oh, interesting. Oh, that's good to know. Cause that's what I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So basically we spend about half the time dealing with wireless tech in the home. And then the last half has to deal with everything electricity related, electric fields, magnetic fields, and the dirty electricity. So we check for wiring errors in your home, right? For wiring errors. Oh, wiring errors. Okay. If your home's wired improperly, the current flowing in the wire on the hot and the neutral are not equal and opposite. And um, it just creates a magnetic field throughout your whole home. We right. check for current flowing on your water pipes. Um, if huh? you're in an older home, you have metal water service coming in. We, we check for that. 
If you're in a townhome, we check for current um, coming over the gas, the water lines. If it's an older townhome, it can be a potential issue with sharing electricity between your neighbors over these metal utilities. Um, we, um, what else do we do? We measure something called body voltage or electric fields in your sleeping area, which measures how much electricity couples onto you at night and we reduce that. And then we just make sure that the electrical noise is, is at a minimum in your home. So we check, make sure all your dimmer switches and lights and uh, just see what, what effect that has on, on the electrical noise in the environment. So we may say, well, do you know what? Do you actually use the dimmer switch over here? Maybe just switch this out for an on-off switch. Um, we talk a lot about lighting, uh, blue light, um, lighting and what the healthiest types of, of lights are. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that kind of, that, and then we check for flicker for, for, from lighting as well, typically if you have time. Um, make sure if you have a smart meter, you know how to deal with that, um, whether it be opting out or, or shielding around that, that particular smart meter. Um, so, you know, in Calgary, we can have an electrical smart meter. We can have a gas meter that transmits a wireless signal, or we can even have a, a water meter that transmits a wireless signal inside our home. And there's ways of dealing with, with all three of those. But yeah, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell. So at the end, you get a report. It has a bunch of links to different options. Sometimes it's a, a good, better, best type of thing. Um, sometimes it starts with Mitch's ideal <laughs> condition and we work back from there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, what we do in a nutshell. Amazing. Valuable. So it makes you, makes you want to start from like square one and just rebuild it, you know, just is that like, because it, it bothers me. It definitely bothers me. So thank yeah. you. And so you, the website is emfaware.ca. Yes. Correct. And your affiliate. So you said you and your wife started your, the, the clinic. Yeah. So we, we own a clinic in Marta Loop called Marta Loop Wellness um, in, in Calgary. And um, yeah, I, I kind of had an abrupt change of life purpose when I kind of uh, got into the EMF work and, and my wife was looking at building a clinic at the same time. So we kind of, I switched gears from the technical side to the health realm. And nice. Did that, so. Okay. So if you're having problems, so get Mitch in to figure out all your EMF and your electrical stuff. And if you're having problems, then go to the clinic and see his wife or somebody else <laughs> who's working there to get yourself straight. Because this thing, the body wants to heal and the body can heal. The problem is we put so many things in the way of that. So, and our environment is such a sacred space, especially when we're supposed to be healing and sleeping and rejuvenating. And, and we're not doing that in the middle of the night. So no, that is, I'm glad you've been really spending a lot less time. We, we've concentrated the number of spaces that we spend time in over the last couple of years too, with people working from home now and, right. and everything. So we're, we're, uh, our environment is probably affecting us more than ever because we don't have that variety of environments. We don't travel back and forth. From right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. People are just in their boxes. They mm -hmm. stay there all day long and get depressed and unhealthy. <laughs> but you don't have to do that. There are choices and there's different things. So thank you, Mitch. This is great. So much information, so many great tips that people can use and I really hope that people reach out to you. I know you're busy, which is a good thing. That means you're helping a lot of people. So that's awesome. So I really appreciate your time today. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure.